and welcome to the week two edition of the Lions Megapod. It is Matt Brown. It is Adam Candy. It is Steven Anderson. We're going to be coming to you each and every week, previewing every one of the NFL games. Listen, went two hours last week. We'll not do that this week. I promise you, we'll be out of here in less than half of that time. Gave you some background information last week on these teams, why we thought the way we thought heading into week one, but everything will be forward-looking moving forward here on the podcast. Everything we do absolutely free, so please go hit that subscribe button. Give us a thumbs up. Let us know in the comments section if you agree with us, disagree with us, whatever it may be, let us know. We do appreciate all of that, so let's kick things off. Right now, Chicago Bears at the Tampa Bay Bucks. Two terrible teams, two and a half right now in favor of Tampa. 40 and a half to 41 is your total. It is juiced at two and a half. Could be heading to three here on Tampa. Adam, listen, two terrible teams. I don't have a teaser leg in my account right now. Bears up to eight and a half is at least enticing. It's a super low total. The, it was a fraudulent win by the Bucks. if you look into it. They were outgained by 123 yards, yards per play. I mean, basically everything. It was just the turnovers there for the Vikings that 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 really went uh, sideways for them in a super low total in teams that I don't have any sort of feeling on one way or another. If you're going to give me eight and a half points, that seems to be my lean. But like I said, n- not in the account as we, as we sit right now. Well, the question for me, Matt is going to be how much are we valuing week one? And I think that's going to be my theme throughout the podcast as we talk about how we look at things. And for me, the danger in this game is a little too much confirmation bias, right? I came on here last week and I told you guys, I think Chicago is the most overrated team in the NFL. And we had a game that confirmed the fact that Chicago was wildly overrated. Now, how overrated is the point? Because you're just talking about what Tampa Bay was last week. And I'm not going to go so far as to call it a fraudulent win. I think the Bucs did a lot of things well. I think they controlled the ball well when they needed to control the ball. So I think there are some things that are repeatable in Tampa Bay's performance from last week. But I think there are a lot of things that we were concerned about with the Bears that are absolutely going to be repeated. Justin Fields is still holding on to the ball for an eternity. Uh, If you were anywhere on the internet this week, you saw Chase Claypool basically taking off the entire game. You saw guys running routes to the exact same spot. And you have a defensive head coach here in Matt Eberflus where we don't have a lot of scheme to believe in from the past. So ultimately, if you're playing this game with taking the plus eight and a half on Chicago, I think you're just doing it as a system play to say, hey, look, I'm getting eight and a half in a low total game. I don't think either of these teams are very good. So go ahead and give me the eight and a half side. I have no problem with that. For me, I'll pass on this game. Steven, what say you here? Uh, again, two teams that I power rated, you know, both of them bottom five in the NFL. I think both of them looked like bottom five teams in the NFL. I hadn't really changed the way that I think about either one of these teams. And so, uh, you know, that's it's most likely going to be a pass to me because I don't know if I have a dance partner that I that I love to go along with the Bears necessarily. But if I did, it would probably be just the Bears in a, in a teaser leg. That's about it. Everybody likes to call week two overreaction week. Are we moving these lines too much versus week one, et cetera? And I, I, I agree with Adam. If you're just looking at it strictly from a, a system play, you know, the Wong teaser on, on the Bears makes sense, especially after uh, they were actually a one and a half point favorite on the preseason. If it was just them having a poor week one against the Packers and it didn't go well, that'd be one thing. But to Adam's point, I mean, this looks a lot worse than just poor execution or maybe not as much talent as the Packers. This seems like poor coaching as well. I mean, there are things that have been said and reported this week about the bears in terms of preparation and 
um, game planning that we really haven't seen since Urban Meyer was the head coach of the Jaguars. Now, there isn't like, you know, scandals of the coach going to the bar, not riding on the team plane or anything, but just in terms of lack of knowledge and malpractice and getting the players ready to play in an NFL game, massive red flags for me. So I have zero interest in putting a nickel on the Bears in any way, shape or form at this point. So uh, to me, I agree that, you know, Tampa, it's it's an aggressive move considering the offense and the quarterback, but um, we're still under three here both ways. So I even even Bears at plus three, I was not interested. I bet Bucks minus two and a half here. I think this is still an above average defense against potentially a dumpster fire of an offense with a quarterback who can't throw the ball and a run defense in Tampa that matches up pretty good if Chicago wants to go run heavy here. And Baker Mayfield, listen, he's still a bad quarterback, but when you give him Chris Godwin and Mike Evans, maybe he's an average quarterback. And he's playing a Bears defense that just allowed nine yards per attempt to Jordan Love in basically his first start as a starter in the NFL. So under three here, betting against what might be a dumpster fire was fine for me. I took Tampa Bay. Yeah. Caveat to that Justin Jordan Love thing. There was like two massive yards after catch like pay, plays in that game that really didn't. It isn't the full full story of all of that, but I see where you're I, I see where you're going with all that. Green Bay Packers and the Atlanta Falcons. As we sit right now, Falcons are point and a half favorites in this one. 40, 40 and a half is your total my analysis like I, I took the Falcons at, when it was plus two and now it's flipped you know through you know not I mean zero's a, a dead number but I mean all the way through all the way to one and a half on the other side now so my analysis was mainly the fact that this Packers injury report is a complete dumpster fire and so with all of that I mean you have Bakhtiari DNP Aaron Jones DNP Christian Watson DNP you have the guys that are limited Eldon Jenkins Quay Walker Rashawn Gary, all these guys limited. So even if they do play, they're not going to be at 100%. You just have a, a team that is just completely riddled by injuries here. And if you dig into it, like I said, I mean, Jordan Love, the stats look a lot better than they actually were for him. When you go back and watch the All-22, you see it was really aided by two massive uh, yards after catch plays. At anything outside of that, it was just a average to below average performance in that game. And if you look at the Falcons, they only threw the ball 18 times. I think that that increases a little bit more, but they got the win. A win is a win is a win in the NFL. As they, as they say, I think Bijan gets uh, worked in a little bit more in this one as well. This is a Packers. Uh, this is a Packers unit that as bad as the bears were, they still gave up 122 yards to the bears on the ground. So uh, I took the Falcons at plus two, I think at plus one still bettable to me, given this injury report for the Packers. Uh, what say you, uh, Steven? We're going heads up here because I, I think um, this game's probably hovering around the right line. I don't think either of these teams should be three point favorites in this game. Um, I'm, I guess I'm going to be correct in my prediction that the Falcons are just going to be the team that confounds me this year because they do not want to pass the ball. That's clear they, in their defense. They didn't really have to against the Panthers, but I have concerns here. I mean, this the Falcons offense in week one was effective running the ball like we expect most weeks, five yards per rush, but only 4.1 yards per pass when you factor in the sacks. You have a quarterback who only threw for 115 yards, although he was efficient in his accuracy. They had seven fewer first downs in Carolina, and they won the game with the margin that they did because they had plus three turnover differential against the quarterback making his first NFL career start. Um, in my power rankings this week, I only moved Atlanta up a couple of spots. Wasn't some, you know, earth shattering win to me. And I have the Packers 
slightly above average as a team. I certainly acknowledge the injury issues here. Um, I'm not going to feel great about this, especially if Aaron Jones doesn't play. The big one for me is Quay Walker, if he can get out of concussion protocol, because that guy is a beast. He's a difference maker on defense. So uh, if we can get him back, I feel pretty good about that. Um, market seems to think the Green Bay injuries matter. I mean, that's why the lines moved a little bit here. So Jordan Love, I agree with you. Jury's out. Number one quarterback by EPA per play with a top five A dot in week one. Took some shots downfield, four pass plays of 25-plus yards with the run after catch. You know, whether it's him or whether it's good scheming, either way is fine with me. It was effective. Uh, those those chunk plays in the passing game were only behind Miami and Minnesota in terms of the number of 25-plus yard plays they had. The poor, obviously, was the success rate and the negative completion percentage over expected. So would like to see more consistency here. I, I'm just going to bet my belief here that the Packers are still better than the Falcons. And, you know, maybe I'm wrong on that. It's the one thing I'm most against the market, it seems, at this point. But I just don't believe in Atlanta yet. Adam, if you take a look, I mean, Drake London not getting involved, certainly concerning. That being said, you know, you do have stuff coming out from them that, hey, look, we won. Doesn't really matter. We're not worried about all that. We, of course, are going to get him more involved in the offense. We we want to get Bijan more involved as well. It was his first game in the NFL. So, uh, maybe we see a little bit different look from the Falcons when it's all said and done. But look, I think they're probably going to look and say last week, the Bears, the only success they had was on the ground. We're best at running the ball. So we're going to run the ball. We're going to see what we can do with all of that. I expect to see a pretty healthy uh, amount of touches here for this Falcon squad. The problem isn't the amount of touches and where they come from. The amount of plays they run is the real issue because I would have been happy to take plus eight and a half, plus eight, plus seven and a half on either side of this with a total of 40, right? I, I don't think either of these teams plays the style of game or even wants to play the style of game that is going to get you to margin on either side. They both want to play slow. They both ultimately want to run the ball and protect their quarterback to some degree. And so when I run all of that through my head and say, okay, if I'm not really confident on either side and I believe this game is going to play slow, then why am I not looking at the under? And I think we're going to be talking about that all week long when it comes to these games is, yes, we saw one of the worst EPA weeks. I believe it was the worst collective offensive EPA week in 20-odd years, if I remember the PFF stat uh, that I read correctly, in week one. And so are we expecting a lot better in week two? I, in particular, am not. And I'm not expecting there to be a lot of efficiency in either of these teams running the ball. So the only way I would look at this game is to look at it as an under. Again, I talked about confirmations of week one. I think the Packers are going to be better than people expect. And I was not buying into the Falcons hype. Nothing that I saw from the Falcons really made me feel great other than the fact that Jesse Bates had a couple of interceptions. And so maybe you look at that defense and say, all right, Maybe these free agent pieces can come together. But ultimately, the only thing I expect is that this game is going to play slow. Atlanta, last week, ran 48 total plays. 48. Packers ran 60. Ultimately, it's going to play slow. I think it might play close and under. Can't imagine we're going to have a ton to say about this one, but I don't know. Maybe you'll surprise me. Colts and the Texans. Texans are currently point, point and a half favorites here against the Colts. 39 and a half is your total Adam for me look two rookie quarterbacks two young teams don't still both trying to figure it out it wouldn't surprise me 
the range of outcomes for this game, I think, is so incredibly wide. Could this be a last-second field goal, or could this be one team wins by two touchdowns? Yes, in my opinion. I, I mean, seriously, it, I don't have any sort of read as how it's going to go. There was the good. We knew what we were going to get with Anthony Richardson. There was some good. There was some bad. There was some in between. Texans, you know, look kind of fought there for a little while with the Ravens. Like, didn't look awful against the Ravens. So. I, I don't know. Nothing nothing for me in this one. And, uh, you know, it is an evaluation game, though, I think, here in week two to kind of see these two teams in which what's their identity? What are we going to see? Are we going to see more design runs for Anthony Richardson? We didn't see the very many last week. I was wrong on that. Like, we only saw six true designed runs and then a couple of scrambles. So, I don't know. Do they try to work that in more? All of that. Just too many question marks for me. So I'll tell you what, this is one of those weird things where I had a conviction on this in week one when I saw the look ahead and I was looking ahead to seeing the Colts getting two on a look ahead and thinking this is a great tee spot for the Colts, not just based on system, based on the fact that I think this is just a better roster right now. That said, that number's gone, right? And so I'm not going to force it. I'm not going to go in now and, and try to make it something where I'm playing uh, you know, at, at a worse number. I liked what I saw from Anthony Richardson. And you talked about the fact that there were, you know, six design runs. A lot of what they did were kind of option plays for him, right? Where he's able to read that edge defender and decide, okay, do I want to hand it off? Do I want to throw? They didn't have much of a running game to speak of, right? But he actually did look okay to me throwing the football. Now, in the end, did they really score 21 points? No, they didn't. They had the flukiest touchdown of all of week one uh, on that double fumble play with, Jacksonville so really I'm not gonna say okay well Anthony Richardson looks great the offense is fixed on the same side I would say CJ Stroud actually looked okay uh, against the Ravens not great not terrible so again low total game I believe that this is another one that probably plays toward the under because I don't see either of these teams taking a lot of shots I don't see this being a situation where you're gonna see either of them going down the field I had under in Baltimore and Houston last week. That was never really much of a sweat. I don't think it's going to be much of a sweat this week with an offense that scored 14 for the Colts last week as well. Steven, we got the Richardson rushing prop at 43 and a half this week, so it's dropped even from what it was last week. Of course, he didn't get there last week, but we said only only six design runs. I think the Colts offense is probably going to be the best when he's getting eight to 10 designed runs. He certainly is the best player on the field for them. Uh, like it, even at this point, right? I mean, like even as a rookie through game one, he's the best player on the field, certainly the best playmaker for them on the field. That being said, there was that he had to come out of the game at the end because he got hit in the shoulder. So maybe they are just going to be super careful with him and wrap him in bubble wrap, which is why I said a lot of unknowns for me, which is why this was, was a pass. If I'm playing at any time touchdown, I would play Richardson and plus money because he's literally the only goal line back they have yeah. right now. I mean, like maybe Zach Moss comes back, but not exactly a name that inspires confidence. Um, the most shocking stat to me from week one was uh, Texans offense takes the field, new quarterback, new coordinator, lots of excitement. 0% success rate in the first quarter. So whatever script that was, throw it in the trash and light it on fire. Uh, for those that don't know success rate, you need to, you need to get 50% of the yards required for first down on your first down or 70% on second down or hundred percent on third or fourth down. So they didn't do that on a single play in the first quarter. And they were only 35.4% success rate the rest of the game, which ranked 24th in week one. And my biggest regret in week one, and I, I will acknowledge this because this is a show about transparency 
just as much as it is about giving out bets. I did not properly account for the offensive line issues for Houston in week one. Adam brought it up. I did not put enough weight on it. They have six offensive linemen on IR, including three starters. This is a mash unit at this point. And Laramie Tunsil's on the injury report as well this week. Um, he may play, but it seems like he's not 100%. So that, to me, makes Houston even more concerning uh, because the Colts do have a couple of good defensive linemen, in particular DeForest Buckner. So um, I am taking a shot here. I am going to take Colts' money line here. And I'll just follow up on the teaser point with Adam because over the past 24 hours, we do now have plus one and a half on the Colts. So would you take a plus seven and a half, Adam, on a teaser leg? Yeah, I mean, basically, we're going to keep talking about this, right? We have half the games this week that are under a field goal. We have six games that are at 40 points or less on the total. You're going to have options left and right here if you want to play it. So I don't have any problem with that. I do hear what Matt is saying, though, that there is a range of outcomes on this game because of the fact that we have two rookie quarterbacks, right? You have double the variance involved when you put two rookie quarterbacks in, which could be defensive scores, which could be problems that you don't necessarily account for so yes in terms of low score get get more than a touchdown sure but I think for me it would rank a little lower on the teaser legs because of the potential for a wide range of outcomes and Matt last note for me I'll just note the Indianapolis defense was better on an EPA per play basis against Trevor Lawrence and the Jacksonville offense than the Houston D was against the Baltimore offense despite some struggles from Lamar Jackson so uh, I think that was a pretty impressive debut by the Indianapolis defense in week one Seattle Seahawks at the Detroit Lions, uh, four and a half to five right now in favor of the Lions at home against the Seahawks. 47, 47 and a half is your total. Everybody knows my Seahawks love heading into the season. Everybody knows that that was the bet that I was most wrong about last week. Seahawks go out, look like total garbage and uh, lose the game outright to the Rams. Now they find themselves as four and a half to five point favorites. Now, this would typically be a spot, guys, in which I would say, okay, this was an overreaction. I had conviction on the Seahawks coming into the season. So this is where I'm going to pounce back on the other side. That is actually not the case. And I have a ticket in my account for the Lions at four and a half. And it is mainly because the Seahawks are going to be trotting out not one, but two backup offensive tackles in this game because one has gone on IR. One is going to miss the game. By the way, Charles Cross, who's going to miss the game, might actually miss a a couple of weeks for them as well. So they're definitely going to be down one for four weeks and they might be down two for multiple weeks as well. Devin Bush was limited on Wednesday and then DNP on Thursday. We always know when you get downgraded throughout the course of the week, that's absolutely horrible for all this. Now they might get Devin Witherspoon back, which would be good for the Seattle Seahawks team, but that Devin Witherspoon unfortunately can't pass block for Geno Smith. And when Geno Smith had both of the backup tackles in there last week, guys, he was pressured on 57% of his dropback. So every other dropback, he was pressured with these backup tackles in there. I just, I, like, Aiden Hutchinson was in the backfield constantly against Patrick Mahomes against an offensive line that we would certainly say is better than the below replacement level that the Seahawks are going to put out there this week. I think it could be a nightmare scenario here, again, for Smith trying to get any sort of time to get anything done. Uh, I'm, I'm going to back the Lions here. And, and like I said, this would typically be a spot where I'd really want to come back on the Seahawks, a team that I had a lot of preseason conviction in. But with this injury report and this offensive line, just can't do it. Adam, what say you? pass uh overall in this game uh I was with you on the Seahawks and that was not for me so much a play on the Seahawks as it was against the Rams and boy did that end up burning 
you, me, and a lot of other people uh, that I know in terms of how well the Rams played. And keep in mind, the game was Seahawks by six at halftime. And then everything fell apart in the second half for Seattle. I'll caution on Detroit a little bit. Uh, I You want to talk about fraudulent wins from week one. For me, that's a bit of a fraudulent win for the Lions. A lot of things went their way. They had the extremely fluky Kadarius Tony play that led to a touchdown for them. There were moments where Jared Goff looked great. and You could see that Ben Johnson play action game really coming into play and, get, and opening up receivers. But it's not as though we think of this Kansas City defense as outstanding, right? It's a defense that we generally expect to be about middle of the pack. And I don't think Detroit looked fantastic uh, going against them. So I'm not sure that Detroit's going to be in a spot to really take advantage of Seattle on the defensive side of the ball. This was a wild one last year when these two teams got together. I believe we had something like 93 combined points. I don't think we're headed that direction this year for the reasons that Matt just said when it comes to the Seattle offensive line issues. And also because I just didn't see what I wanted to see out of Detroit's offense last week. So maybe they get it going this week against uh, against Seattle. I don't know, but there's enough in play here for me to say that I'll pass on this one entirely. Steven, the Seahawks secondary let Tutu and Puka each go for 119 yards last week against them. Uh, in comes Detroit, certainly with Amon Ross St. Brown, who we imagine is going to get peppered with targets in this game, kind of play in that Puka Nakua role where he lines up and the, the, the guys that he's going to be going up against. It's going to be, it's going to be interesting. Um, it's the bet that I'm least confident in this week, but I can't see myself backing uh, the Seahawks given their, given their offensive line woes. I could see why you'd be least confident in it because the preseason line was Lions minus two. It's gotten ballooned out past the key numbers of three and four. But at least as we record here Friday afternoon, East Coast time, there has not been enough of buyback to get it back to the key number of four. We're still sitting at four and a half. So the buyback has been on dead numbers. Uh, so I, I respect your opinion on the matchup with the Seahawks injuries. Um, the price was too rich for me. Uh, so I decided not to bet it, but certainly based on matchups, your your opinion is totally valid here, but it was a pass for me. Chargers at the Titans and boys, y'all are going to have to give me some uh, y'all are gonna have to give me some 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 insight into this one, because this has now come off the three at one, two, three different books out there and is back down to two and a half. Uh, people are taking the three with the Titans and it's four, 45 and a half is the total. Steven, when I look at this one. I saw nothing to inspire confidence from this Titans team last week whatsoever. And even that's, that's being said, considering that I had a bet in the game and played the Titans in the, the contest and all the different stuff like that. And I saw nothing that made me feel great about this Titans team whatsoever. The chargers went out and scored a bunch of points on, by the way, this Dolphins defense, when it's all said and done at the end of the year, given health, they're going to be a top, they're going to be an upper half defense. They're going to be in the, they're going to be in the top 15 in the league. And the Chargers went out and, and scored a ton of points and put up a ton of yards against them as well. Under a field goal against the Titans, not in my account because I thought, uh, you know, I, I don't know. What, what, am I, what am I missing here, Steven? I mean, if, if the Chargers market rating coming into the season was correct and, you know, there's a ton of love. This can't be because the, the, the Eckler thing, right? This can't be because the Eckler. I mean, like, like Kelly came in and looked perfectly fine in that offense. Like, I mean, this can't be because of the Eckler thing. Yeah, I, I mean, they if the Chargers rating is correct in the market, they have to win this game, right? Like it's we're under three now. They have to win this game if the Chargers market rating is correct. And I understand that you could make 
an argument about the Titans last week. Maybe should have won that game. Um, had a had a a call that should not have been blown dead that would have given him a defensive touchdown. And um, you know th- that game to me was more about issues with the Saints, to be honest with you. So and, and the deficiencies they have there. I, this is going to be Kellen Moore. You know, think back to when Kellen Moore was the Cowboys coordinator. And he played the Bucks, who were a very good run defense. And he just said, well, fine, we'll throw it 60 times. I mean, that's what we got here with Tennessee. I mean, I don't even think Josh Kelly's going to run the ball that much because if Kellen Moore does what he's done in the past, he might let Herbert sling it 60 times in this game. And who the hell on the Titans is going to cover Keenan Allen and Mike Williams and all these guys. Now, I know that I guarantee you Mike Vrabel is going to try and slop this game up use every second of the play clock, try and get some runs with with Derrick Henry and, and Tajay Sharp. But, I mean, even, even the concern we had about the Chargers' defense last year, them not being able to stop the run, they couldn't stop the pass worth the damn against Miami. I give Miami credit for that. I think they're an elite passing offense. But for what it's worth, maybe nothing. They did stop the Miami running game last week. So, I don't I just This is a conviction play for me. Mo on our sister pod beat the closing number did bet Titans plus three. You can go listen to his reasons why, if you want to hear the other side of this, but once this got down to two and a half, I mean, just the chargers have to win this, right? I mean, they have to, yeah. well, I mean, given, yeah, I mean, given what we think of them, like coming into the seat, Adam, they were third in the league. I mean, granted one week sample size, but you know, third in EPA per play last week in the NFL, we saw the saints go out with, a much worse quarterback and you would you could even say less fewer playmakers and carve up this this Titans defense they just couldn't like put it in the end zone or whatever um what what are we missing come on you're usually good at, at pointing out what 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 we're missing in something like this i mean w- what am i missing all right so let's start here i believe that this is less love for the titans and more the narrative around the chargers right Oh, the Chargers are going to charge her. They chargered last week against Miami, right? Oh, they had the game and they let it go. And blah, 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 blah. Like, I get it. We've all watched it. We, and it's a fun narrative, right? It's yeah. fun to talk about, oh, Justin Herbert and the Chargers, same team that was up 27 on Jacksonville in the playoffs. I, I get all of that. Um, Tennessee was bad last week. I watched way more of that game than I should have because I had an over ticket that – that ticket is still like giving me paper cuts along my wrist. It is still hurting me now. It is still painful because there were, by my count, 74 field goals in that game. Yes. And Ryan Tannehill also threw three interceptions. Like that should have been a game that went over pretty easily. It did not go over. So I'll bring up this on a game that came off three in the middle of the week. And we're not really sure why it came off three in the middle of the week just going to say take your pen and put a little asterisk by this and see what the Sunday morning move looks like on this game when the limits go up if this thing steams back out to three or maybe even gets all the way to three and a half or even just a heavy three I'll kind of wonder if there was maybe a little head fake in the market to try to get this thing into a more advantageous position for a comeback later on a game that's probably not the most heavily bet uh, of the week here's what I think about the game overall I actually bet the Chargers uh, on Sunday, yeah. this past Sunday. 
Uh, I took this as soon as it came out. I thought it was going to go three and a half. And you and me too. It yeah, you did and not. me both. Yeah. I know. Yeah. 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 So I, I, I have Chargers. And let's think about the way that the Titans want you to play. They want you to pass the football, right? Now, last week, that wasn't necessarily the case when it came to the Miami Dolphins. The Miami Dolphins gave the Chargers the opportunity to run, and the Chargers were the number one rush EPA team last week. They ran all over Miami, and that's, to me, a pretty encouraging sign, actually, because we're, we're sitting around talking about, oh, here we go, Justin Herbert's dot. His average depth of throw is only six yards. Right because Vic Fangio sits back in his zone and kind of dares you to throw over the top. And they weren't, they were taking short passes. They were running the ball. They were doing the things that I would want to do, frankly, against Miami because yeah, you want to score, but if you also want to possess the ball against Miami and keep Mike McDaniel's team off the field offensively, I have no problem with that either. So in the end, Tennessee wants you to throw the football Justin Herbert and company, I think, will be ready to throw the football. Amani Hooker injured as the starting safety for Tennessee. If you believed in the Chargers preseason, I am not here to tell you what you have to do, yeah. but you kind of have to bet the Chargers in this spot <laughs> if you believed in them preseason. Yeah, I mean, they were incredibly efficient last week. And listen, I, I'm, I don't, this is not hyperbole, me saying this. We talked about this all offseason and any of the preseason stuff we did. The ceiling for that Dolphins offense is the best offense in the league. Like the, the ceiling for that offense is the number one offense in the NFL. So like the fact that they gave up a bunch of points and a bunch of yards to the Dolphins, the Dolphins are going to score a bunch of points and put up a bunch of yards against a lot of teams like this year. Like that's going to happen a ton. So I, I don't hold that against them uh, with all of that. One other note, DeAndre Hopkins back-to-back -back DMPs with an ankle tweeted on Instagram just before we started recording. Uh, trust in the process. It's a marathon. So monitor the injury report. No way this closes two and a half if Hopkins doesn't play in this game. No way. Baltimore Ravens at Cincinnati Bengals. This is sitting an expensive three or a cheap three and a half right now in favor of Cincinnati. 46 and a half is the total across the board guys this opened at two and a half and i broke my fingers uh betting cincinnati uh on this this ravens injury report is disgustingly brutal this the, the back home for cincinnati in there's not going to be weather there's not going to be any of that stuff joe burrow and them are going to go nuclear in this game like it is going to be absurd no marlon humphrey no ronnie stanley no tyler lindenbaum no marcus williams Mark Andrews still limited, so he hadn't even gotten in a full practice yet for this team. Dude, it's, I know we say this about the Ravens every year, and they of course they lose Dobbins for the season. We say this every year. It's like a mash unit. If they can only stay healthy, yada, yada, yada. It's already happening in week one. I know. It's such a tired narrative about this Ravens team. It's already happening here in, in week one with all this. And, Adam, I mean, seriously, like I sprained my thumb betting the Bengals at two and a half <laughs> as fast as I could. I would still bet it at three, even the expensive three. I would still bet it at three. I think Cincinnati wins this thing like going away. All right. So you and I are going to play a little give and go here. I'm going to give it to you and you're going to give it right back to me after I give this to you. But you, sir, you know, Joseph Burrow as well as anyone knows Joseph Burrow. Tell me what you think happened last week in a week when Cincinnati had six first downs, because this is going to inform part of how I feel about this game. Yeah, I mean, look, he played no, he didn't, he didn't play in the preseason, right? I mean, like, we got no, he got no camp, he got no anything, and then the weather was such that, I mean, he was, like, experimenting with throwing with a glove on and all kinds of stupid stuff like that, and 
and whatever. It was just a sloppy, gross game in which that, you know, things went off the rails and, and couldn't get back on the rails uh, with all that. And honestly, I think we all talked about this. Like, I, I think the Browns defense is actually really good. Like, I think they're going to be, and I think they're going to be really good over the course of the season. So that Back. I'm not taking anything away from them either, right? Like, yeah. I, yes, it was a dud by Cincinnati, but I, I think the Browns defense is legit. Certainly a better version than what the Ravens are going to trot out without Humphrey and without without Marcus Williams out there. And that's kind of the point that I was hoping to get to with this, is that good offense is stable and repeatable. Good defense is not necessarily stable and repeatable. So if I'm going to look at that game last week, I'm going to say, okay, if I believe that one thing was fluky, well, actually, I can believe that both things were fluky, but that the Cincinnati offense being that bad was the flukier between that and the Browns defense, which, again, I think is going to be good, but I also thought was going to be world-class last year and turned out to be a total flop. So I'm not going to overreact to one week with the Browns defense in this game. Two and a half, I, I understand why you're all over that with the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, it's hard to fathom what's going on with the offensive line again uh, with the Ravens. Where I would go in this game, if you don't want to play the three, like you've given the opinion on that, right? I don't have it, and that's not because I don't like it. It's just because I that's a game that I have not spent as much time on um, digging into. Uh, if you believe that Cincinnati is going to run away with this game, then go ahead and find all the Zay Flowers props that you can because what I saw from him last week was the thing I like the most out of the Ravens offense. Not necessarily, oh, Lamar has a great target, but he's shifty, he gets open, he's going to have opportunities uh, in this game. And if you think they're going to be trailing, then you think they're going to be throwing. And if you think they're going to be throwing, then I think he is the most likely to find himself open on a consistent basis. Yeah. The other thing, Stephen, here is if we look, it is Lamar's rushing prop is 44 and a half. They lose Dobbins. They're going to have to go to Justice Hill in this thing um, with a little bit of Gus Edwards mixed in. If the Ravens are going to have any success, you have to think that that Lamar's going to have to pick up a little bit of the slack, right? Actually running the ball and trying to to move Theory the chain. Very irrational like coach. So, yeah, I mean, exactly. Yeah, who knows how it's actually going to turn out. But, I mean, you would think that he's going to have to pick up some of the slack there in all that. I think that's a pretty I think that's pretty low. Honestly, I think it's pretty low even if I think Cincinnati's going to run away with it because, as we know, if Cincinnati gets up 14, 17 in this game, you drop back in coverage, you're playing soft, and what does a guy like Lamar do? He looks around, and he sees an eight-yard running lane, and he's gone. Right? I mean, like he's going to take that every single time. And, and so – uh, I kind of like it from a couple of different angles here, but that's at least that's at least one thing from the Baltimore side that's that you could maybe get in on if you want to have some Raven shares. Despite the win last week, I I'm downgrading the Ravens offense. I I do not have confidence in this unit at this point. And for all of the ink that this new offense got with Todd Munkin, I think it was a big assumption that it would just work right away out of the gates, especially with the quarterback not playing in the preseason. I mean, Look how good Trevor Lawrence looks right now with Doug Peterson. But don't forget, it took him half a year before he was putting up elite EPA numbers in a new offense. So I think this is going to take time with Lamar Jackson and Todd Munkin. And in week one, very underwhelming, 4.6 yards per play, took four sacks, fumbled twice, lost one and threw a pick. Um, and, and 17th in EPA, likely depressed because he only had five air yards per attempt. I mean, everything was was short so 
lost in the Cincinnati debacle offensively last week was also that their D actually played pretty admirably, even though they were on the field for 72 plays. They allowed less than five yards per play. They got to Watson three times for sacks, and they held him to less than six yards per attempt for a QBR of only 63. So still love the Cincinnati defense. And we have a huge sample size that this Bengals offense is elite, except for whatever reason when they played Cleveland. I mean, it's been like five games now for Burrow against Cleveland. So, yeah, I'm with you. I didn't, you know, I still live in a state where it's not legal for two more weeks. So I got to go across the bridge once or twice. <laughs> I didn't get the two and a half, but I did get the three and I was fine yeah. with that. Las Vegas Raiders and the Buffalo Bills. Look, it's eight and a half in favor of the Bills. 47 is the total. Adam, teaser leg for the Bills if you want to go there. I don't want to bet an eight and a half. I think the Raiders are like just pesky enough to maybe get it within eight and a half, like whatever. Doesn't look like Jacoby Myers is going to play deep in the concussion protocol. Devontae Adams sat out a couple of practices, but I'm assuming that's to like keep him in bubble wrap because they knew Jacoby Myers wasn't going to play in this game. And so it's no real opinion on that. Buffalo teaser like seems fine with me, but that would be literally the only angle for me whatsoever. I actually would not play that teaser leg with Buffalo. And this, I'm going to go back to what I talked about last week on the, on pod where I said, what am I missing with Buffalo? Um, the answer is something. And, and I don't know what, but I'm getting some vibes that tell me to stay away from this, this game this week. Now vibes are not something that we bet on. So let me give you a little bit of uh, context to go with that on the defensive side of the ball. I am concerned about the ability to generate pass rush from a defense that does not have Von Miller because everything looked different for them with Von Miller last year. Everything looked different for them last week, and you can't really evaluate it that well because what are you going to say against Zach Wilson, right? It was a weird game. Um, The Josh Allen thing, look, we have last year with half a year with the elbow injury where we said, okay, well, the elbow injury limited Josh Allen. Uh, the Josh Allen we got last week, we can call turnovers fluky to some degree, but then there are decisions. And Josh Allen's decision-making last week was not great. So can this Buffalo team control the football against the Raiders? Because what we saw last week with the Raiders was that when Jimmy Garoppolo was not being pressured, he was getting the ball out. And mm-hmm. they were actually not terrible. Not great, but not terrible the Raiders offensive line was not terrible. I believe Jimmy Garoppolo was only pressured four times. If I, if I uh, recall the stat correctly here in the moment. So I don't want to get involved with this game. The only way I would quite honestly, is if you wanted to, if you wanted to take a small piece of Raiders money line uh, before the game, and then just see how Buffalo is playing. And if you find that Buffalo is, you know, first drive they're humming along and you want to buy out of that bet then great but i would love to be holding on to some raiders money line that i could then mess with in game depending on how this goes james garoppolo your number three graded passer of week one i don't know if anybody would have guessed that but uh yes four turnover worthy plays by josh allen that was tied with ryan Tannehill for the most in week one Steven, we take a look at this one. I guess by hesitancy, Jacoby Myers was such a big part of what Jimmy Garoppolo did this past week, and he's not going to be out there, so that gives me maybe a little bit of pause with all of this. But this is something you and I talked about in the season preview. 
And I think it lived out in week one. And I don't think I'm being prisoner of the moment by saying this because the reason we said it coming into the season because we saw it all last year too. They do not have a wide receiver too. They do not have a second option for the Buffalo Bills. And so anytime that there is a must-have play, he has to look at Steph Diggs. And so like teams know this at this point, mm. right? Like they are not scared of Gabe Davis. He runs horrible routes. He 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 cannot separate whatsoever. He drops he drops balls. Like maybe Dalton Kincaid becomes that like second option like sooner rather than later. But man, there's nobody out there for Josh Allen outside of Steph Diggs. And Steph Diggs is awesome. But man, when it's third and seven, the defense knows who to friggin' guard, right? I mean, like they know what's going on. And I think that that's going to play out over and over and over again throughout the course of the season until they address that, that position. I want to push back on you a little bit here. Um, I know that Gabe Davis is not T. Higgins by any stretch of the imagination, but at least from just watching the tape of the three interceptions last week, I saw the same thing I saw over and over again in the second half of last year for Josh Allen. And, and Adam, I think this is kind of what you're, you're, you're getting at. And, and I think specifically, this is what I'm seeing. It's that Josh Allen, for whatever reason, continues to be stubborn and undisciplined in the scheme and taking unnecessary risky shots into double coverage, into two high looks. Every single one of those interceptions against the Jets in week number one were because he was taking shots into double coverage. But if you looked at the tape, he had wide open options underneath to move the chains. And the one, the option was for him to scramble and get the first down easily. So this is something we saw in the second half of last year from week nine on a year ago, he was bottom five in the league and expected completion percentage because he had one of the highest a dots in the league, too many shots, unnecessary shots downfield where even though we don't believe in the talent necessarily of a Gabe Davis or their wide receiver three, they are actually getting open because they're being schemed open. So I just think it's as simple as Josh Allen needs to be more disciplined and take what the defense gives him because on every single one of those interceptions on Monday night football, something was available for him wide open, either to move the chains or to get a lot of, of, of yards after catch as well. So, um, you know, you know me, Matt, I fire from the hip. So I just think the Buffalo roster is still much more talented than Vegas. So I took the teaser. But go ahead, Adam, just your thoughts on, on my observations there from what I've seen from Josh Allen. I think there's a middle ground here with the Bills from what we're talking about with the lack of a number two receiver and where they're trying to go. Um, they draft Alton Kincaid in the first round. Last year, the Bills were not a 12 personnel team, right? They were not a two tight end team very often. They ran the most 12 in the, le in the league last week, right? They had two tight ends on the field with one running back the most in the league. They didn't pay it off, though, and I think part of the reason they didn't pay it off was because of that Jets defense. They're strong at all three levels, and it makes it a lot more difficult to do what you want to do, especially when Josh Allen is facing some pressure. This week against the Raiders, if they can block up Max Crosby, there's nothing to there's worry nothing, about yeah. in terms of being able to deliver the ball where they want to. So the way I might look at this is to say, if you think Dalton Kincaid and Dawson Knox are going to become the sort of co-2A and 2B for this team, then the Raiders are the team that you're going to see it against because this is not a strong linebacking core in any way. It's a defense that, frankly, is weak at all three levels outside of Max Crosby. So if you want a bellwether for where this game is going, I would keep an eye on where you see Josh Allen targeting that football, especially in the first half. If you want to sit this game out and see how it goes entirely, fine. If you see Josh Allen completing passes to those tight ends as a means of getting rid of the football, and maybe you see Dawson Knox with five targets and Kincaid with four at halftime, 
then you can feel a little bit better about where this team is going. And maybe there's a halftime bet on the Raiders for you. Gabe Davis, your 64th graded receiver in week one behind the likes of whatever a Demario Douglas is and a Samori Tory and a Devin Tompkins and uh, a Tyler Scott and all of that. Uh, again, one week sample, but uh, he's not very good, period. He's just not good. Bet basketball, baseball, or golf with a bonus bet of up to $1,050 at BetMGM. Sign up and use bonus code PLAYBONUS50 and you're on your way with the king of sportsbooks. The Lions podcast listeners can get the BetMGM app today and use promo code PLAYBONUS50 to claim your exclusive welcome bonus of up to $1,050 after your first bet. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. This is a new customer offer, 21 years or older to wager. Arizona, Colorado, Washington, D.C., Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Maryland, Massachusetts, Michigan, Mississippi, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming only. U.S. promotional offers not available in Nevada, New York, or Ontario. Please gamble responsibly. Have a gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in D.C., Illinois, Indiana, Louisiana, Maryland, Mississippi, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. In Colorado, Kansas, and Nevada, call 1-800-522-4700. In Massachusetts, call 800-327-5050. In Iowa, call 800 800- bets off and call 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. All right, as we as we move on, as we move on here Kansas City Chiefs, Jacksonville Jaguars, guys, this has come off. The hook is no longer there. It is 3. Wow. There is one three and a half left, but it is 3 everywhere in favor of the Chiefs. 51 51 and a half is your total. I think this has to do with the positive news that we were talking about right before we came on air. Uh, the Jacksonville Jags offensive line is going to be intact. Uh, both of the guys that were questionable going to play for them. Now, how effective they will be, we shall see, but it is, they're at least going to be all there. And so that was the, the assumption was, is they were going to be down at least one, maybe two starting offensive linemen in this game. And that thing blew this number ballooned up to three and a half. And that's just not the case. They're going to be with both of those guys. So it is back down to three in most places, 51, 51 and a half is your total. Steven, when you look at this one, uh, you could have maybe talked me into a Jags bet at three and a half. Now that that's gone, I'm probably just going to sit back and watch this one. Uh, Like I said, I've got my, I've got my, I got a lot invested in the Jags as it is anyway over the course of the season. So I don't know if this is a place where I really need to kind of plant a flag against, against the Kansas City Chiefs. Seems like great vibes everywhere for Kansas City, despite the loss. I mean, rumors of Travis Kelsey dating Taylor Swift on top of it all. Clearly, Patrick Mahomes missed Travis Kelsey against Detroit. Kind of a love story. And and for Jacksonville, it's been a cruel summer since outgaining Kansas City on a yards per play basis in the divisional round. Didn't take advantage of Mahomes and that ankle injury there. So maybe there's a little bad blood on Sunday, maybe a little revenge game. But I did watch that Colts-Jags game, and I just wanted to see – the Jacksonville pass defense and the secondary. And I walked away saying, I, I knew you were trouble. And the Jags, not down Sheriff, but still Cam Robinson suspended. Uh, can't just shake that off. Sometimes, Matt, you like to tell me I need to calm down. And with a number of bets I like to make every single week, maybe I should. But, you know, I took a shot on the Jags plus three and a half on the look ahead. 
didn't in my wildest dreams see Chris Jones coming back so early from his holdout. Maybe 22 can slow down Calvin Ridley for Kansas City, but just hits differently for me when it's, it's plus three in Jacksonville instead of plus seven and a half in Kansas City like we saw in the playoffs. It's delicate at that number. Kelsey and Jones back. There's probably a better chance of snow on the beach in Jacksonville than the Jags winning this game in this in my mind. Maybe down the road, Lawrence keeps maturing. It's a little bit better. I'm not trying to be mean. I I know and you know that I'm high on the Jags. It's not like we are never, ever getting back together. If this was a movie, maybe the Jags win, but it's not. And Trevor Lawrence, he's Mr. Perfectly Fine. Maybe we'll see some sparks fly, but uh, you're on your own, kid. That had to have taken you an hour, at least plus, to write. I can't even imagine how long that took you to write. I'm going to guess at least an hour, maybe an hour and a half. I, like, uh, give us an over-under. If I said it at 89 and a half minutes, how long did that take you to write? Way under. What? Oh, come on. Way under. Oh, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't believe you one bit. I don't Listen, you, bit. you can't just look at anybody and assume that they're a Swifty or not. You just never know. <laughs> uh, all right, Adam. It's Look, I, I, I've had a lot of questions about the Chiefs entering the season. I think that every, that's well documented that this is not being, you know, revisionist history or anything like that. Like, I had a lot of questions about the Chiefs heading in the season as it was anyway. I understand fluky stuff all that all it does is basically let you know how amazing Patrick Mahomes is the fact that he got that poor of a play from everybody out there and they were still in the game till till the very end but what say you as they head across the country here to Jacksonville do I have to participate in this because I feel like it's a tacit endorsement of what I just had to sit through (laughs) (laughs) listen I thought it was very well done I, I mean listen I listen no matter what you think about Taylor Swift, look, she writes her own songs. She does like, she's a business woman. Like she's a business comma woman. Like, I mean, like there, there's, there's all kinds of stuff going on with her. Like I, I'm, I, I don't have to like her I, there's nothing, music look, to respect I, what's going on with Taylor Swift. No, no, no. This was not something against Taylor Swift. Don't get me wrong. You're, you're hearing me incorrectly. It, it, it is against what I counted as 16 song references. It might've been more. Listen, uh, Adam, in listen, there from Steven. Listen, um, Adam. You belong with me. <laughs> oh God, no, I don't. But um, <laughs> but uh, let's uh, let's let's give you one little piece of trivia, and I'm going to let you guys uh, do this quickly, and then throw it right back here. Okay, uh, over under on how much money my girlfriend spent on a Taylor Swift floor seat. Oh man, what I city? already know. I already know the answer to this. What what city? It's going to be fourteen. Los Angeles. No, 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 no. It's going to be more than fourteen hundred fifty dollars. It's going to be nineteen hundred and fifty dollars. Nineteen fifty. Okay, Stephen, what's your guess? I'll take the under on that. Uh, You are wrong. Uh, The answer is over, and the correct answer is twenty two hundred dollars. I said nineteen fifty. That's a good. Yes, nineteen fifty. That's a good. I, I appreciate the fact that you uh, that you came back around from your fourteen fifty to nineteen twenty two hundred dollars on go. a Taylor Swift. Woo! So I and understand. What? And guess what? She said it was worth every penny. Oh, without question. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, yeah, no, yeah. no, no, no. Uh, listen, listen. She, she, you know, she is also a businesswoman. Makes her yeah. own lawyer yeah. money. Like, yeah. good for her. Spend it the way you like. Um, Damn straight. I would not spend $2,200 to see the Jaguars and Chiefs this week, in part because it is going to be played in a thunderstorm environment uh, in Jacksonville. And so that's where I might see a little entry point here on a total that is 
really, really high. Uh, we don't see a lot of totals that look this way anywhere on the board, right? Like we're yeah. looking at 51 by far the highest total of the week and about five points off market for the rest of where we are. I think we might have this thing a little bit high. Uh, and I'm not sure if the weather will be so bad that we see the rush to the window that we always do with people when they get that first look at the screen and the rain is pouring because we've got Mahomes and because we've got Trevor Lawrence. But this Chiefs offense is not built the same way, right? And I'm not saying what you're saying, Matt, that I'm down on them. I just, I believe that the Chiefs are more content to not run the scoreboard all the way up. I'm, they're content to move the ball down the field in smaller ways, and they might not have a choice uh, in this game. So Jacksonville's defense gave up 14 last week to the Indianapolis Colts. Kansas City defense held up well enough uh, against Detroit. They actually gave up about 14 points to Detroit as well. So you combine the fact that both defenses played a little bit better than I think we expected last week, and I think there's just maybe a little too much prior baked into that 51, right? prior years with these teams which it's the way it goes right this is how the algorithm works you take the prior data that you have and you throw it in there i don't know that it reflects today's kansas city chiefs versus jacksonville jaguars in the weather so if i play anything here i play under san francisco 49ers at the los angeles rams it is seven seven and a half in favor of the niners 44 and a half is your total look the handy there's no handicap here they're going to win the game the niners are going to win the game it's just how much are they going to win the game by do you want to put them in a teaser leg to take it down to a point and a half? Or do you think that they go ahead and run this thing out and, and get it on up there? We saw Shanahan play as starters well into late in the game, even though they were oh, they were up as big as they were this past week. Does he, do they do that again? Who knows? No Puka Nakua for the Rams, who was a, a one-week superstar, uh, injured oblique for him. So he left practice on Wednesday, DNP on Thursday, so likely not to go for them. So it's going to be just the 2-2 Atwell show for the Rams in this thing. I mean, Adam, it's the, the Niners are going to win. There's no real handicap. They're the they're the, bad, the better team by a mile. They're probably a top three to four team in the NFL. The Rams are a bottom three to four team. So it's just, do you feel like they run the score up essentially is what it comes down to. All right. So I want to go back to something that we were talking about offline earlier this week. Stephen brought up uh, how the, market has changed on San Francisco, just how much respect has come up for San Francisco in power ratings off one week and saying he had not seen that without a QB change. And I think you have to almost look at this as a QB change because anyone who was a little bit off on San Francisco, and I'll raise my hand where, you know, we talked about last week and Matt and I both said, are we sure Brock Purdy is this good? Well, I think after last week, we just have to say, I'm not sure if it matters right? Uh, like San Francisco might just be able to move the football with Brock Purdy, whether he's good or not. I don't need to know individually whether he's good. I just know that this system is working and this is going to be the first full year of Christian McCaffrey. He obviously went nuts last week. There was one big catch and run uh, involved in that. So I played San Francisco teaser early in the week. It's going to be everyone's favorite teaser leg. For me, I have it tied to Philadelphia. Philadelphia was my anchor teaser mm -hmm. leg. Uh, for the week and so we're home on that but I don't want to overreact to what I saw from the Rams last week against the Seattle team that we just don't really know much about at the moment I won't add a whole lot to the handicap other than if San Francisco doesn't get this teaser home then we have to 
probably put a statue of Sean McVay outside SoFi. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Stephen. It's just, I mean, look, it was it was going to be rough for the Rams. They got a, a they got a great performance, you know, again out of a out of a slot receiver that's not going to be out there for them now. It, you know, it's just. I think it's going to be super, super tough sledding here. And like we said, I mean, look, Purdy, Adam said it perfectly. He might not have to be good. He was only the 11th graded quarterback in the week. He had zero big-time throws. He had two turnover-worthy plays. It's the same thing as we saw last year. Like, it's, but it just, it just works. It doesn't matter, I guess. Like, he doesn't have to be good. He can just be a little better than league average, and it won't matter. So, uh, yeah, they're going to win. It's just by how much. I mean, I'm not going to say he's Tom Brady, but in terms of – very late quarterback picks in the draft. He's the next Tom Brady story. Seven and zero as a starter now in the regular season. Niners have scored thirty plus points in all but one of his starts. And that other start, he had one hundred and seventeen passer rating in his first game in Seattle on a short week on a Thursday night. So, uh, I you guys are with me now. You know, Brock is Brock pretty good. The either the answer is either yes or it doesn't matter. Like Adam said. So, and to yeah. the to your point about shift in market rating expectation. They went from minus 160 to minus 400 in one week to win the division. 61.5% implied probability to 80%. So obviously Seattle tanking was a big reason for that. But uh, yeah, stone cold teaser leg here for me, for sure. New York Giants, Arizona Cardinals. Yes, the Giants look like absolute garbage. It's not going to matter this week. The Cardinals are as bad as we thought that they were. 39 and a half. To 40 is your total in this one, Stephen. The Giants are not as bad as they looked last week. The Cardinals are not as good as they looked last week. This is going to be a win for the Giants. The other, the, my only problem on the other side of the field goal gives me some sort of pause here. If you wanted to get wacky in Survivor and you wanted to play a team that nobody else is playing, I think you could play the Giants this week. It, it would, it would certainly, if you're in one, a massive pool out there, like you could. You could get away with picking on the Cardinals, I think, just about every week and feel confident in it. That being said, it's just a pass for me. I, I just do want to this. I know it's not a muscular thing with Waller. They're saying it's like a nerve thing with his hamstring, but that at least somewhat bothers me in all of this. So Giants are going to win. I have a pretty strong conviction in that. I think the pretty much every team is going to beat the Cardinals every week, but uh, the four I, it's probably about appropriate. So, you know, when numbers seem appropriate to me, I just I just pass on them. It's a stay away for me, even though the, the Cardinals are probably still the worst team in the league. Um, it, and to me, it's whenever a team has offensive line concerns, uh, you know, Andrew Thomas banged up at the at the very least at this point. So I will also say, though, that I'm not giving the Cardinals defense credit for six sacks week one against Sam Howe. He had yeah. the most time of any quarterback who was pressured, you know, he, he held the ball way too long on those sacks. So Cardinals don't get credit for those sacks in my mind. That was just an inexperienced quarterback. So I think Dable and Daniel Jones should be fine. Does it mean I want to bet them to win uh, through the three, num- the key numbers of three and four? No. So it's a stay away from me. Adam, what say you? It is your New York football giants. Yeah, apparently I still have to claim them after last week. So I will <laughs> claim the New York giants. Um, the only way I'm getting involved in this game is, and I believe you've heard me say this once or twice, under. Uh, I want you to think about it this way if you're thinking about the Arizona Cardinals and the New York Giants. If the Giants are to win, they generally win this kind of game with a close score, right? The only game last year that they won by running it up a little bit was against the Colts. Again, a bad team with no quarterback, so sounds familiar, right? 
but the Giants went 8-4 and four in one-score games last year. Brian Dable wants to minimize variance with a roster that he needs to minimize variance with, and he was not able to do that last week. All of the variance came up on the Giants, and you know we, you hear us talk about game state all the time. The New York Giants cannot play in a game state where they are down 16 points when Dallas has run a handful of plays with seven minutes remaining in the first quarter, right? A blocked field goal, that goes for a touchdown. A fluky interception slash fumble, that goes for a touchdown. And all of a sudden, the Giants are in a spot where they can't chase, right? So combine that with the weather, with the Dallas pass rush. No, the Giants weren't as bad as we saw last week, but they also had all the variants go against them in that spot. Uh, I cannot endorse playing the Arizona Cardinals, knowing what we know about the Cardinals. Yeah. But from a side perspective, if you're going to play a side in this game, the only side I would look at is Arizona. And we've already seen people doing that, right? This game opened five and a half and has been bet all the way down to four. A lot of that based on what people saw from the Giants on Sunday Night Football, I know. But those offensive line problems are real yeah. for the New York Giants. It's not just the Andrew Thomas injury. The right side of that line was as bad as an NFL team can play in week one. Evan Neal has not solved anything. Mark Lewinsky looked absolutely putrid at right guard for them. There are places to attack them. And if you believe at all that Arizona was able to generate pressure that is sustainable, Stephen just said you're not going to give him credit for six sacks. That's fine. You still have pressures. And pressures with Daniel Jones are an issue. So if you want to look at this game and say, what do I want to do with it? Uh, I might get a look at Daniel Jones on rushing props in terms of carries, in terms of yardage. That, to me, might be the antidote to the offensive line problems is a few more design runs for him in this game, but I don't want anything to do with it other than a look at the under. New York Jets and the Dallas Cowboys, it is nine, nine and a half in a game with a total of 38 and a half. Uh, this, like, conventional betting wisdom says you take the nine points in a game with a 38 and a half total. It's still Zach Wilson. I can't get there. It's like, it's just almost impossible. I know how good this defense is. I know that they are going to keep these teams like off the scoreboard more times than not. I just can't. He's just so bad guy. You just, you saw it even <laughs> when he came, you, you saw it even when he came in for Aaron Rodgers. Like, like, yeah, there were a couple of throws where he shows off his arm strength. It's never been his arm strength. Like we've never, like we've never questioned his arm strength. It's everything else about the guy, you know, like that, that we're questioning. And so he's just so bad. I, I we're supposed to, Adam, we are supposed to take the nine in this spot. I can't do it. I, I, if this was 10 and a half, I would play the Jets. Like if it was on the other side of 10, I would play the Jets. I'd hold my nose and play the Jets and understand that I'm going to have to sit through a game quarterback by Zach, by Zach Wilson. With it being under 10, it's almost doing me a service because I don't have to bet it and I can just sit back and, and see if the Cowboys are the truck that I think that they might be this season. So uh, that, that's how I, I look at this game. But again, I get it. If somebody wants to use the rationale that it's a 38 and a half total, I have to take the nine. I would at least say, you know what? I, I, I get it. I just can't do it. So the Jets won because of the defense and the turnovers. We yeah. all know that from last week. Um, we didn't learn anything about Dallas. That is a game where you absolutely cannot gain any information that you didn't already know about the Cowboys. You knew the defense was going to be good. You learned absolutely nothing about the offense. It's a weather game. The Giants are out of game state. The Giants, we have no idea if they're going to be able to generate any pressure this year outside of Dexter Lawrence. I didn't 
learn anything about Dallas. So I'm going to just piggyback on what you said, Matt. If you're tempted to take the nine and a half, then you believe this game is playing to a low score. So then I would just, even at the number that it's at, I would just play it under. Because if you believe that Zach Wilson is terrible, and he had a 49 PFF passer grade last week, exactly what we would have expected. And if you believe that the Jets' defense is as good as it looked last week, and I do, uh, I think the the Jets' defense is, is outstanding, then maybe this game plays at something like 20 to 3. 20 to 7, 21 to 7, 24 to 7. I'm naming you a whole bunch of scores that sound pretty realistic for these defenses that are going to keep you well under where this total is right now. So if you think that the Jets are a reasonable side, play this game under instead of playing the Jets. Steven, uh, you know, look, it's it's a game that we would have loved to have been able to handicap if it was Aaron Rodgers out there and been able to talk about this really does let all the air out of the balloon with this one for me. Um, again, I, I, I'm, I'm pretty high on the Cowboys. And so, you know, that's, that's another thing that's really messing with me here because it's like, again, I should be taking the points in a super low total, but I'm really, really high on the Cowboys as it is anyway. So I have mixed emotions in all of this. I am very curious to see, with at least a week to know that he's going to be the starter, with at least, a, you know, maybe they pull a couple of plays out of the playbook and insert a couple of other plays because they were kind of more Aaron Rodgers plays and stuff. Do they cater things a little bit better to Zach Wilson? Maybe so, but got to see it to believe it. Remind me who is revising the playbook this week. Yeah. Nathaniel, Nathaniel, Nathaniel Hackett. Combine that with this poor cougar loving bastard who now gets the, <laughs> another shot against Michael Parsons and company. No, thanks. I mean, yeah. I hear your process and everything low total, a lot of points, but yeah, I'll, I'll just sit back and watch this one. And, um, you know, with the jets, D I've already said, I blame Josh Allen and being stubborn for the turnovers more than the jets forcing those turnovers. So, um, I'm not, but I think Adam makes a great point about the under. You already have McCarthy, who's going to be ultra conservative. He said it all offseason. And you have Hackett, who the only way they could really move the ball last week against Buffalo was running Brees Hall. So, yeah, I think they're going to have a ton of run plays in this game, which should shorten it. So I I think under is probably the best look here, but I'm just going to stay away from this one personally. Washington Commanders and the Denver Broncos. Broncos, three and a half point home favorites here over the Commanders, 39, 39 and a half is your total steven the commanders are bad uh we knew they were going to be bad thank god i got them behind me in survivor and i never have to look at this team ever again basically it's on the other side of three which gives me a little bit of pause the broncos will be a contest play for me for sure because i like if they getting jerry judy back this week if they can't beat this commander's team at home by margin then i don't know what's going on yeah i get it chase young's gonna be back for the commanders that doesn't change the fact that this, this offense is just, I mean, this team is, is bad. Like, I mean, I, I always held out hope that maybe they could just be, I, I didn't think that they could ever be above league average. I thought that there was at least a chance. You know what, Sam Howell, you know, they got a lot of playmakers. Maybe they can be somewhere close to league. They're not going to be. They're going to be one of the six, seven worst teams in the NFL all season long. And so with that, again, like I said, I think it's a contest play for me on the Broncos, but I, I don't have the three and a half in the account as we sit. 
Eli Hershkovich agrees with you. He also bet Broncos minus three and a half. You can go listen to the Beat the Closing Number pod to hear his explanation. And I'm going against you both on this one because I bet Washington plus three and a half, uh, maybe foolishly on the look-ahead line before even seeing what this offense looks like. But I'm going to be honest with you, I'm going to bet them again. I mean, I, I would bet them again. I already have the bet. I'm not going to double down. But uh, I'm fine with three and a half here. And to me, it's it's mostly about game state and what we're going to see. I've already said that the, the Hal sacks last week were not the offensive line's responsibility. On the snaps where he was pressured, he had an average of 2.8 seconds to get rid of the ball. That should never result in a sack. So that was Hal's fault. Hopefully he learns from it. We'll see. But Eric Bieniemy helped by scheming up the number three expected completion percentage in his debut. So a passing grade for Bieniemy in his, in his first go around here as Washington offensive coordinator. And for Denver, I, Denver's bad too. Like, I don't believe in this offense. Like, yeah, maybe Jerry Judy's back, but the Washington defense, we've both agreed, Matt, is very good. And now they also lose Greg Dulcich at tight end. And on top of that, their defense was dead last in pressure rate in week one, only 6.9% pressure rate for the Broncos defense, despite blitzing 31% of the time. The secondary is good for Denver. The front seven is below average. So combine that with, Mr. Anti-Air Yards, Mike Lombardi and Sean Payton basically treating Russell Wilson like he's Justin Fields and Desmond Ritter with a 4.1 A dot in week one, meaning longer drives, longer possessions, eating up clock. If that's the game state here, I'm I'm taking the hook at plus three and a half with a total under 40 here. I'm fine with that. And maybe Washington really does suck, but this is this is also a game theory play for me, too. Adam, what uh, what say you? No go in this game for me. Yeah. I do think we need to reevaluate one prior that I think we all held. Maybe Steven gets a little pass on this one because he talked about the change in coordinator on the defensive side for Denver last week. But there were only three teams in the league that were worse in dropback EPA per play last week than the Denver Broncos. Uh, Seattle, unsurprisingly. Chicago, unsurprisingly, and the Chargers who went against Mike McDaniel and the Dolphins. And who did Denver play? Jimmy Garoppolo and Mick Lombardi and Josh McDaniel? That should be worrying if you're handicapping Denver. If you're looking at that team, you're looking at a team that won games in the first half of last year with its defense, or at least should have won games with its defense if its offense hadn't been so putrid. So I'll sit this one out uh, largely because I, I need to see if Denver's offense really is going to be this bad. Mm -hmm. um, I need to see what the Washington defense is going to look like with Chase Young. I do think the side for me would be Washington if I were going to play it. However, I'm not sure I wouldn't play an alt spread on this if I loved Washington. And I might push this down, uh, you know, where... I money don't line? have to get as many points. Yeah, you can play a money line. I, you can play a money line. I might actually flip it all the way out and go like Washington minus two and a half on an alt spread because if you believe that that the Denver defense is a problem, then I think you believe that there's going to be some room for the Washington offense to make strides. And if you take all four units in this game and say, what is the unit that I believe is good? The only one you can say you believe is good is the Washington defense. Guys, uh, 
right here on this channel. Everything we do, absolutely free. We also have separate videos for Sunday night football. We have separate videos for Monday night football. Of course, we have it for Thursday night football as well. So that's why you want to be a subscriber. You want to come in. You'll get those notifications if you hit the little bell every time we post stuff on the channel. Everything's free. So please go ahead, support us just a little bit. Hit that subscribe button. Give us a thumbs up. Put in the comment section how awesome you think uh, Steven's friggin' minute and a half long rant with the Taylor Swift songs was because listen, that took him a while to write. I don't care what he says. It took him 90 minutes to write that thing. And so listen, give him some love down in the comment section. And, uh, you know, let's get, let's get this done, uh, here on the channel. Listen, we want to get to, let's call it 50,000 subscribers. How about that? By the end of the NFL season. So let's, uh, let's go ahead and, and start getting those numbers going guys. We do appreciate everything. Of course you can head to the discord channel, at lines.com upper right hand corner hit that discord button it's free there as well talking nfl all week long and of course you can get anybody's last minute plays and things and stuff in there as well for adam for steve i'm matt good luck on all your week two bets